Welcome to the CR Checkup Podcast. My name is John. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ that struggles with drugs, alcohol, pride, and control. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the CR Checkup Podcast. I'm so excited to have each and every one of you here with us today. I hope that I got a chance to see you either on Monday in Goodyear or on Wednesday in Buckeye. Uh, But either way, if you come to our meetings or you don't, you're in a different state or a different country or you just simply missed, hey, we love you. We're so excited to have you here uh, today with us. Uh, Today, I'm going to be having a conversation with the testimony that we had on Monday night, and I'm very excited to have this conversation because um, it's with, you know, my most favorite person in the whole world. Would you please introduce yourself for us? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Olivia, and I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with drugs, alcohol, and codependency. Hi, Olivia. Hi. (laughs) Glad to have you here today. (laughs) So, um, you've given your testimony a few times at at our group, right? And this past uh, time that you did share was kind of a special night, right? Yeah. So, I had taken a little bit of time to update my testimony, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more as we talk here today, but um, I recognized and realized that I struggle with codependency, and that just was a recent realization. And so, as I was tracing Uh, back to some of those roots as to where I believe uh, that was born. I was able to update and uh, add a couple more uh, situations that were brought to the forefront of my mind that really impacted uh, me, especially in my active addiction. And so it was really neat to be able to disclose that information and share that with others and being vulnerable and transparent in a way that I hadn't uh, been able to Mm -hmm. share before. Yeah, and uh, I, th- I was just thinking as you're speaking, uh, for those who are listening who have no idea why I said, you know, <laughs> that you're my most favorite person, this is my wife. Um, and so for those of you guys who don't know, um, Olivia is my wife, and I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> I should have introduced myself as John's most favorite uh, person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so certainly you got a chance to share a little bit of an updated, but it was... Uh, it was special for more than even just that reason, right? Uh, because... Oh, yes, because I celebrated four years clean yeah. from drugs and alcohol the same day that I was giving my testimony, which is, like, never happens. It never yeah. falls specifically on chip night. So yeah. that was really cool to be able to do that. Yeah, because we do chip night uh, the last Monday, the, in Goodyear anyways, the last Monday of the month. And so the chances of it falling um, on that specific day are kind of... Uh, odd and so yeah very very cool it was a great time wonderful meeting Um, and so I just was wondering for those who maybe weren't there who've never heard your testimony before uh, would you would you just share with us a little bit about kind of what brought you into the program and kind of where you've been you already kind of mentioned a little bit um, how you've been working through stuff and and what what it looks like uh, what life in the program looks like for you Yeah, absolutely. So what brought me through uh, the doors of recovery was drugs and alcohol. Um, I really uh, 
began using drugs and alcohol to uh, cope with a lot of traumatic experiences that happened to me in my childhood, um, ranging from abuse to uh, my parents' divorce. And so a lot of things materialized and manifested themselves um, as I grew up and um, I decided to uh, use mind-altering substances to heal, or so I thought, heal those parts of myself or alleviate that pain. And so um, that's what originally brought me to celebrate recovery, but um, I think it's important to recognize that that was just a symptom of my sickness. We often say that in the program, and I really found that my sickness is sin, and I have a sin problem, and it just it just um, ends up being showcased in different ways, um, or I've chosen certain vices to latch onto of what's going on with really my heart condition. And so um, even though drugs and alcohol uh, brought me through the doors um, and I was able to now achieve some clean time away from those, I've also recognized that I struggle with codependency and that really comes from this overwhelming desire to people please, um, that my validation and self-worth is uh, tied to people's perceptions or opinions of me. And uh, there have certainly been points in my life where I can uh, recognize that through codependency, I was willing to do anything and everything just for someone to like me or Mm -hmm. to think that I was worthy of whatever um, it was that I was searching for. And so, um, that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at now in working through that right now. I'm actually going through another step study, uh, with my sponsor and that has been life changing, uh, because I believe God has continued to reveal parts of my heart and even parts of my past um, that I didn't know really needed healing. And I've been able to share with my sponsor, too, things that I never thought I could ever share with someone mm-hmm. and um, really unpack that and understand the impact that it had on my life and why it led me to you know believe certain things about myself believe certain things about god and ultimately you know believe things about other people too and so um i am fortunate to attend monday night in person uh, and i love uh, i love the support there and the group of ladies that i get to partner with and uh, walking them through their steps as well and uh, that's a big part of our of our program that we would give away what we have so we can hold on to those things. And, um, yeah, that's, I guess that's where I'm at in a nutshell. No, that's great. Uh, in our time of sharing, so many people were relating with that statement that you made of like, Hey, this is, I've got a sin problem, Mm -hmm. you know, boiling it all down to a sin problem. And, um, I just really appreciate when people do that. I know on both sides of the spectrum, Uh, with people who struggle with drugs and alcohol or they have a different type of struggle wherever they're at sometimes it's always or sometimes it's difficult to kind of um see past it like the see past Mm -hmm. the shame of of whatever that you know i hear guys who struggle with you know not drugs and alcohol say man i wish i wish i struggled with something different like Mm -hmm. drugs and alcohol at least it'd be you know and people who struggle with drugs and alcohol are like oh man i wish it was something different you know and so when we can boil it down to like, hey, this is just a sin issue. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, we can kind of all come together under that banner 
and then it seems like oh like we can f- we can fight this common thing together mm-hmm. and uh so it was it was cool um in 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 our open share group guys are really resonating with that and so and i just love that i just love hearing people kind of share their experiences and um you know even as i was sharing in the group it's it's a whole different ball game hearing a testimony that you've been you've like kind of been a part of mm-hmm. you know and I was sharing that about like my mom, you know, hearing my mom's testimony and just hearing her growth through it. And, you know, we talk about this in group about like, hey, you can't argue with somebody's testimony. Mm. And although maybe some experiences and situations that we have, maybe we have different differing perspectives <laughs> on situations. I know that's how it was with my mom and, and her, you know, vice versa with my testimony. Mm. Um but just because maybe we have a different perspective doesn't mean, you know, our experience wasn't what it was, you know? And so, uh, yeah. yeah. And I think, too, along those lines is that we can both identify with the emotions that are tied to yeah. those situations. Like, even if there is maybe a skewed perception or mm-hmm. just a different perception um, of the reality of what took place, you know, in those moments what we can uh, walk away from and, as you mentioned, really get under that banner is that I was hurt and that other person was hurt or this other person felt shame or guilt or condemnation or, you know, anger, whatever those feelings or emotions might have been. And we both can come to the understanding that we have experienced those shared emotions And then we're able to, I believe, really meet each other in that. Right. No, that's so good. Um, You mentioned also that you are going through a step study again, but this is the first time that you're going through the journey continues, right? Yes. I know you've been a very strong (laughs) advocate for this, uh, so I wanted to kind of bring it up. Yes. Um, So I had gone through uh, the journey begins a couple of times. And for those who don't know, there's a, there's a four book process for going through a step study and uh, there's two kind of versions, right? The first version mm-hmm. is the journey begins. Like you just mentioned, there's four books to go through it. And then there's the journey continues, um, kind of what we're getting into now. Sorry. Yeah. I just wanted to share for, for those who might not know exactly what you're talking about when you, when you say that. Absolutely. And um, as you mentioned, The Journey Begins is the uh, first set of books that um, someone would walk through um, in a step study uh, and with their sponsor. And um, for me, I had grown up in the church. I had come to know the Lord uh, very young, um, or so I believed, even though I couldn't fully understand the weight of that decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was really surrounded uh, in a Christian home Uh, with my mother really spearheading that and providing that kind of environment. And so some of the questions um, that have come from in the journey begins is really identifying what that relationship with Christ looks like, um, working through surrendering things over, you know, to God and what did it look like growing up and my understanding of God. And then with the journey continues and why I love it so much is the questions change and get more specific to some current realities like how have I seen my character defects come Mm. about again or Mm. what ways have I still stepped into denial 
And even, you know, with the understanding that, hey, I've made this conscious decision to surrender my life to Christ and I, you know, consider myself a Christ follower now, it really takes into account that decision with a lot of the questions that are asked. Mm -hmm. And so it really is for that next layer, if you will, um, in working through the steps. Yeah, and I think this segue is really great into kind of uh, the next part that I would love to talk through with you. Um, right now in our both of our groups, actually, we just wrapped up our conversation about step one. Mm-hmm. We admitted we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors, that our lives are unmanageable. And uh, we've been kind of talking through what that looks like. We were talking about kind of letting go of control. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one thing I would like to expand on as well as kind of your thoughts and, and experiences with step one. Um, but because you've kind of mentioned it, this kind of lifelong journey type mm-hmm. thing, right? Um, so what would you kind of share with, with our listeners about step one? Um, and then what would you share with me? <laughs> Cause I want to hear your thoughts <laughs> <laughs> about kind of this lifelong journey, uh, of dealing with kind of things that are coming back up or, or new stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are uh, two really good questions oh, to <laughs> unpack there. Um, so with the first part, I love step one. It's honestly my favorite step um, because I struggled with it so much. Um, as I shared in my testimony on Monday night, you know, I had painted this picture of what an addict's life or an alcoholic's life was supposed to look like. So very stereotypical, I thought, because I didn't, my lifestyle didn't align with that perfectly, that I somehow was excused from Mm -hmm. being considered a person who struggles with drugs or alcohol. And so there is this level with step one that not only... Can I interject really quick? Because I I love having this conversation with you and with so many other people, because we've talked, we talked a lot about this, right, Mm -hmm. early on, was like... I felt the same way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was so crazy. And and not to say this might come off a little weird, but, like, my addiction was probably a little bit more advanced in the fact, like, I was using heroin and, mm-hmm. like, it was a daily habit and all that kind of stuff. But I also felt like right. I wasn't, you know, I didn't meet the, the criteria that I had built mm-hmm. in my mind for what an addict was supposed to look like. And mm-hmm. so it's just, it's just funny. I, I wanted to throw that in there because... I feel like so many, if we're being honest with ourselves, so many people could relate with that no matter where we're at on this so-called spectrum of right. <laughs> of how much we struggle with something or we don't. Um, I feel like it always moves further ahead of, you know, because for me it was always like, oh, well, I did this thing, but I'll never do that. Exactly. And it was always the next thing. Mm-hmm. I might do that thing I didn't want to do, but I would always have something next to be mm-hmm. like, well, okay, I'll do this, but yeah. I won't do that. You know? Right. At least I'm not doing fill in the blank. And then eventually I would do that very thing. And yeah, I'd have yeah. to add another qualification <laughs> to me before, you know, right. I reach the standard in which I set for myself, which yeah. is, yeah, a bizarre So sorry concept. to interrupt, but yeah. So, I mean, in respectively speaking, you know, outwardly, like if I looked from my perspective, mm-hmm. from what I was doing in my life and I'm looking at you, you're going to college you're drinking on the weekends, you know, you're drinking a little too much for mm-hmm. sure, you know, um, but it, it's, it did look different. Like yeah. undeniably it did look different than my life and what, you know, we might think a, a stereotypical person mm-hmm. would look like. And so there you are kind of wrestling with that on a surface level, right? 
Yeah, because outwardly, as you mentioned, there was this belief that I had that I was still somehow functioning mm-hmm. based on worldly standards, I, I believe is really what it comes down to. Because, yeah, I was in college and I was still, you know, maintaining good grades. I was working a part-time job. And so to the idea of success and measuring that, like, you know, if I were just to say, hey, I'm a college student and I'm getting pretty good grades and um, I'm actually working uh, part-time to support myself during (laughs) this season. I mean, if I just said that, people might think, oh, that's good. That's normal. And so when I really had to take a step back was when I realized how spiritually empty and emotionally empty and mentally drained I felt. And that became my um, sort of qualifier, if you will, where it became apparent that this is not just normal or it's not normal for me. And it's also like, I knew that that wasn't what God called me to do, nor what he wanted for me. Well, and also I think it's like even normal standards. We're not even we're not even seeking after normal standards now, right? right? Like in our life, like Mm -hmm. that's not what we're seeking. We're seeking healthy lifestyles Mm -hmm. and healthy standards. And, and so it's just funny. I was like, Oh, it's normal. Well, yeah, maybe it was normal, but even today, normal. (laughs) Looks a lot different. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, like along those lines too, because step one was so hard for me to wrestle with and come to terms with, Um, That's why it's my favorite one because I think it's the most vital because until I was ready to actually acknowledge and become aware and even accept and admit that I had an issue with drugs and alcohol, there was no way that I was ready to surrender that then over to God. And so I think it's important because it's the foundation of this program and how it's been foundational in my life is that if I'm not willing to admit this or even accept this, then I'm at the risk of acting back out in this. And I saw this with my codependency, which was a wild revelation for me because there I was again, well, codependent behavior actually looks like this. And, you know, I would say it was A, B, or C, but the way that I was acting out in codependency was x Mm. y and z and so it allowed denial to perpetuate in that of like i'm not a codependent because it doesn't look like what codependents (laughs) look like but i had my own way of acting out in that and so i think it's really important to not limit myself in this understanding and really coming to terms with what does that look like for me because everybody's story is different as we talked about everybody's story is unique But at the same time here, I have to be willing to honestly look at myself and address that there's something wrong here. There's something off here. And do you think that, you know, you just had a problem with, oh, well, I don't meet these qualifications (laughs) or do you think there was also some somewhere like you had, you're like, oh, if I admit this, then, you know, who am I or, or, you know, there, I think there is kind of like a uh, a label that's sure. kind of wanting and and you know we we definitely don't adhere to any labeling or anything like that right but like acknowledging and owning and saying like hey I struggle with this you know or like I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic there 
right? Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. just, well, I just don't think I am that. Like, there was something either, even deeper, on a deeper level, I think. What Was there for you? I mean, there was for me. It was just, but how about for you? Yeah, I can see that in some regards in my looking back at, in my life and everything. Because, But it was on the basis that... I believed an addict and alcoholic's life looks yeah. like this. Yeah. And so because that's the belief that I had and I didn't meet it, then it was like, well, I'm not going to consider myself that. Like, I don't want to call myself yeah. an alcoholic or addict because what I think yeah. an alcohol- yeah. alcoholic addict like life is supposed to... Like, it would make you to, that. Yeah, it yeah. would... That people, you know, yeah. kind of coming back to that codependency <laughs> of, like, yeah, yeah. I'm so concerned about people's perception is, like... Well, if they know that I'm an alcoholic, right. what are they going to think like that I was doing? Because and they, I'm sure I was doing a lot of those things <laughs> that people were thinking. But I love having conversations with you about those things. But it's so funny with, with everybody where it's like, yeah, you know, like I got drunk a couple of times and did these things. Oh, okay. Yeah. And kind of getting d- deeper. Well, you know, I, I did do this too. Yeah. And I did that. And, you know, when we really start to dig into, into things, we can really see, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the the gravity of the sickness that was kind of of uh holding on to us. Yeah, and I think that's such a good point because for me and some of my experiences that happened as a child, I grew up wanting to minimize situations mm-hmm. and minimize my feelings so I wouldn't fully have to feel the weight of yeah. what those decisions, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. those consequences to those decisions or, yeah, feeling the emotion that was tied to those situations. And so I think this was really evident with me wrestling with step one is like, well, I'm just going to minimize those things that I did. So it doesn't have to be considered that because right. then then it won't be that. Yeah. But really, I was doing myself a disservice by not being honest about those things. And I vividly remember that we were traveling to Sedona, I think it was, and we were like sharing parts of our testimony that we had never shared before. And I don't think it was not, by. And by the um, way, not because we were holding anything. It's that's just, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't by like omission on purpose or yeah. anything, but because some of those things I just didn't really give credit to. Yeah. Like I wasn't sure that things they that actually we, impacted me. Yeah. Or things that we didn't even really think. Yeah. Like you said, didn't impact me. Or it's like, oh, this is just something that happened and I never even get it, gave it much consideration. Right. But as we started talking through, so I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's some heavy stuff right there. Yeah. That should probably go on my fourth step. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I, I think that that's so good. And I feel like so many people can relate with that. So I just, I appreciate your honesty in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of coming back to our question, um, you know, what is the kind of, what's your thoughts about this being a lifelong journey? Yeah. About now that you've admitted, right? <laughs> now that you're like, okay, I do, okay, this is a struggle of mine. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you rationalize with, okay, this is something that I'm going to be working through for the rest of my life? And of course, we take it one day at a time. Absolutely. Um, but we also don't want to fall into the, the thinking of like, one day mm-hmm. I can drink like a normal person, or one day I'm going to be able to control my emotions and people, places, and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to figure that out. Um, but instead having this this posture of, hey, I'm going to struggle um, in general mm-hmm. for the rest of my life because I'm a human being and right. human beings 
are fallible, right? Right. And I think right there, as you said that, um, I think it can be, or it can sound discouraging to be like, oh, this is a lifelong journey, or I'm always going to struggle with these things. Um, but if we trace it back, right, to that it's a sin problem, yeah. like on this side of heaven, then I'm always going to have a sin problem. Yeah. And so I think having that mind shift and perspective and knowing that, like, yes, God's grace meets me there, his mercy and forgiveness, and he's constantly pruning things mm-hmm. within me. But knowing that I have a tendency to act out in these things actually keeps me really safe yeah. and gives me boundaries and then allows me to not forget, you know, how I can be and how mm-hmm. I can act out in those ways. Because if I start to forget that, then it's very easy for the justification, the rationalization, mm-hmm. the denial to creep in of like, oh, well, now I have some time clean, so I can totally drink like a normal person. Yeah. And I, I start to believe those things. And right. I definitely, early on in my recovery, like I toyed with that idea mm-hmm. because I I don't think I really had, you know, a change of heart that I wanted to live differently. Different, like yeah. and so um now as I'm like, hey, this is a lifelong journey, it actually is a sense of relief that I don't have to arrive right here, right now and be perfect yeah. right in this moment. That like I have a journey, you know, through this life here on earth to continue to figure that out, to continue to wrestle with those things and to continue to struggle with those things. And if I really count it as joy, it's an opportunity to increase my dependence on God rather than myself. And so I think it's exciting in some ways to have this as a lifelong journey because it means that layer by layer, you know, the hope is that through these steps and with the power of Christ that I'm going to become more like him. And that's really exciting. And if I have to do that for the rest of my life, which I want to, like then so be it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think it's just comparatively speaking life before. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay, does that what I want to go back to? Is my life, you know, uh, relatively speaking better now? And Mm so if it is, then why why is that such a negative thing it's like Mm -hmm. my life has been gotten better since i've accepted that i have struggles and accepted that i and so yeah why would i then think well at some point this is gonna reverse and and i'm not gonna like it or something you know and so and i think also this is this is why it's important to have christ as our Mm -hmm. hope because although we might struggle for the rest of our lives we've got eternity Absolutely. waiting for us and, and we won't struggle then. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even in our struggles now, we can bring glory to God and, uh, we, we can relationally, uh, build mm-hmm. with each other through our struggles. I know that I definitely relate better to people through their struggles than mm-hmm. through their victories, you know, yeah. Hey, that's great. You know, you got a new job and a new car. That's wonderful. But like, go ahead and just, you know, keep on going with yourself, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. but when somebody comes and they say, Hey, I'm going through this, man, I can totally relate. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I draw near to those who are hurting. Um, and those who like seem to have it all together mm-hmm. when I know that that's certainly not, this is just not true. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, yeah, I'm just not drawn to those people. Um, not to say I don't want people to do well no, uh, because you know, it's all good, but just yeah. knowing that it's through our struggles that we do actually grow relationally and we do bring honor and glory mm-hmm. to God. 
and uh, it's not it's not a negative thing. And the the fact of the matter is is that we're going to struggle regardless whether we choose to admit it or right. not. And the the depth in which we will suffer through those struggles mm-hmm. is dependent upon if we're willing to admit it and work through it. Yeah. So it's it's you know struggle and suffer outside of the program or a struggle and you know bring glory to god with others in the program Mm -hmm. that's pretty much the two choices right yeah and i think having the understanding that this is a lifelong journey continues to promote vulnerability and transparency so that it doesn't allow me to yeah revert back to those old habits or those old hang-ups or those old hurts and let them cause more and more destruction because if I don't, you know, take this seriously and if I don't take it one day at a time and Lord knows sometimes it's one moment mm-hmm. at a time, then I'm going to end up back in the place that I was, if yeah. not honestly, like in worse. a worse, yeah, in a worse yeah. way. And so I think it's important because it, it guarantees that I'm going to have people yeah. alongside of me, right. like doing life with me and supporting me and encouraging me. And as you mentioned about those victories, like... How sweet is it, right, when I can walk alongside someone and they're like, hey, I've got 30 days clean or 24 hours clean, you know, because they're willing to be honest about their struggles. And I know what that's like because I've been there. And so celebrating those victories means so much more if I'm willing to admit that, hey, I'm struggling with this. Yeah, and I'm just thinking too. It's like, thank God that I'm always going to struggle so that I never get kicked out of CR. You yeah, know? It's right. Like, it's like, oh, I'm always going to be welcome. Yeah, and I and I want to and I wanted to say that too to the newcomer is that you belong here. You know, whatever you think your struggle is or your struggle isn't, that there's a seat here for you and there's a place here for you. And if you just give it an honest try and an opportunity for it to change your life, like the program and God absolutely will. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I was just going to ask you before we go, what you would say to the newcomer. Um, and I think that's beautiful. Um, but one other question, what would you say to the person who's listening? Um, you know, best case scenario, uh, somebody listened to this, this podcast and they're like, Oh, my friend or my family member who has always turned down my invitations to celebrate recovery or would never even consider it. They're listening right now and they're saying, no way, I I don't need recovery. I don't want to go there. It wouldn't even help me, you know, (laughs) whatever they're, they're feeling, or maybe they're on the fence thinking about it. What would you say to those folks who aren't in there, um, but are maybe kind of being introduced to, to this? Well, I think there's a couple of things that I would say that, If you are encouraging someone or wanting and desiring that for your family member or friend, I would encourage you to check it out for yourself first. Because there's something about uh, sharing from personal experience. So I give this example quite a lot. If I say, hey, you should go on this diet and lose this weight that you can lose on this program, right? Or if I say, hey, I went on this diet and I lost X amount of weight and it's been so good for me. And I think that's that whole idea of attraction versus promotion. And so if I do it myself and I can lead by example, that could then create space for that person who is like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't need that to actually see, wow, something's different in my friend or my family member. And I want that. 
like I'm hearing you say the best way to invite somebody is to come invite yourself. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Join yourself and live in a way that attracts them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, what would you say to those maybe that are hearing it and and they're on the fence or not interested at this moment? <laughs> yeah. Um I've been there before mm-hmm. and I you know, kicked and screamed my way to rehab and didn't want to do anything with that. Because, again, I didn't think I had a problem, right? right? And I would just ask the question, like, what do you really have to lose at yeah. this point? You know, like, if I didn't go to treatment, like, I had a lot to lose. Like, there were definitely very pressing situations and things that I had gotten myself into that could have been, you know very different for my life now Mm -hmm. if I hadn't had taken that opportunity and I know it's I know it is hard to um, come to that realization but we all know how much courage that takes and you're going to be greeted with acceptance Mm -hmm. and love and you know we're not going to condemn you or judge you for anything that you may have done and so I mean it's cliche but if this is the one and only try that you want <laughs> to give at something, I would say do it. And if yeah. you don't, like, ask for the desire to want to. Yeah. It's good. Right on, Olivia. I thank you so much for making the time to come and be on the podcast. I love getting to chat with you on here. Um, I think your words and your wisdom and your experience are so valuable. And so I can't wait to hear from you guys. Um, Give us your thoughts and and your feelings about these things. You've got questions. Uh, We'd love to hear them. We'd love getting to interact with you. Uh, But of course, until next time, I love you. I love you. for listening to the CR Checkup Podcast. This podcast is meant to start conversations, not end them. So we hope that you continue to have conversations wherever you are at. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then please share it with someone else. You can also reach us by emailing recovery at palmvalley.org. Recovery at palmvalley.org.